Welcome to the Lemper Report Live. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard by now that Kroger is buying Albertsons. Of course, this is a huge deal that will certainly come under scrutiny and regulations from the feds. It's expected to take well over a year to close. Rodney McMullen's statement focused on how the combined company will reduce costs, which will be passed on to shoppers, and how the combined store brands of both companies will make it one of the nation's largest CPG companies. Interesting take. Albertsons will spin off a new public company, estimated to have 100 to 375 stores that they expect that the government will force them to divest due to competitive pressures. Now, personally, I expect to see many more stores being forced out of the new combined company. Probably my number, it's closer to a thousand. Where I'm looking is California, as it's Albertson's number one market with close to 600 stores and Kroger having about half of that amount. The Grocery Workers Union is fighting the merger, suggesting that a lot of store closures and a lot of lost jobs are imminent. I disagree. I do think that there will be lost jobs, but those will be the white collar office jobs that are redundant. I predict that very few stores will actually be shuttered. I'm also watching Amazon Fresh and Instacart carefully. Both companies have huge bankrolls and want to expand their brick and mortar footprints, especially in California, but their moves will not be limited to that state. On the horizon, we can expect to see highly competitive markets emerge in Southern California, in Chicago, and in the Northwest. Expect price wars. Get ready for some of the most dramatic changes ever in the grocery world as this takeover invests $1.3 billion in Albertson stores to fix them up. And some banners across the nation are sold. In particular, I'm looking in Philadelphia at Acme. What happens there? On today's episode, a sliver of good news from the pandemic. Schnucks once again shows the grocery industry how to do it. A look at the veggie van and its good work. A move on imports from Mexico. And Gen Z says no. Let's get started. So, Sally, some good news out of the pandemic, very little good news out of the pandemic, but it has to do with food insecurity. Tell us about that. Yes. So when we look at households that have children in them and have experienced food insecurity, the good news is that um, where we are now is we have seen those numbers go down. So um, as for example, as of um, 2021, we had an estimated 12 and a half percent of households with children that lacked access to enough food um, for a for a healthy household. Now, that number went went to 12. 0.5% in 2021, it was 14.8% in 2020. And in 2009, it was 21.3. So we are experiencing the lowest share on record of this um, in our history. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, the government giving uh, money uh, to people during the pandemic, um, certainly, but I guess the learning for me is we can control food insecurity. If you look at the White House conference that just took place, one of one of their major pillars is food insecurity. So it can be done. But there's some critics that are out there that are saying, hey, you know, the 
you know, if we just give money away, sure, we're going to solve the problem. But isn't that the point? Isn't that the point of government to keep people from being food insecure? And yes, that's where our taxes are going to be able to avoid these kinds of issues and these kinds of problems. Um, talking about problems, Schnucks, um, one of my favorite retailers has decided um, that they're going to take the lead on how to attract work, how to attract and keep different grocery workers. And what they're doing is they have a new app that um, it's called Schnooks Flex Force, where you can find op find open shifts and just pick your own shifts. And certainly in the gig economy, that's one of one of the attributes that whether it's Instacart or Uber, you know, what they offer people. And I think this is a really smart move. Yes, I think it is very modern and exactly what our, the direction that our culture has moved when it comes to employment. And we think about, you know, the lack of of childcare that we are experiencing right now. We don't have enough people to work in daycare centers. Um, we have people not being able to afford daycare. So if they can, you know, if they can work when it works for their family schedule, then um, then that's a great thing. And what I also love about this is that they're going to be um, letting people collect their pay as they earn it. So in other words, you don't have to wait you know, two, four weeks until you get paid for the work that you've started. You can get paid right away. Yeah. And also what they're doing, um, the minimum that they're going to pay is $12.85 an hour. Uh, they have the same perks and benefits to other associates. So, you know, Todd Schnook, good for you. Good move. Um, I was just up in uh, at Cornell University, uh, up in Ithaca. I wasn't able to track down the veggie van um, that they started probably some five years ago. But Sally, tell us about what the veggie van does, what it is, and how it's helping people. I love the veggie van. You know, I love so many ideas that come out of Cornell when it comes to food. But um, the veggie van was something that start that they started in 2015. Um, they received uh, they received a grant to create this um, mobile farmers mar market, basically that they took out into areas where people, this is in the Niagara area, where people were um, unable to get easy access to food. Now, this isn't just, this isn't just food desert situations or low income situations. Um, we're also talking about seniors who can't get out to stores. We're talking about, um, they would go to women's shelters. So there's a lot of different ways that they've gotten this food out here. But the other really exciting part, part about this, Phil, is that with that, they included a training program for new farmers. So people who wanted to become farmers could sign up for this program and learn everything from seed to building your own business and be a part of this veggie van as they learn to farm. And we've seen these kinds of vans or trucks throughout the country, certainly in Detroit. We've seen it in Florida now, you know, up in the uh, Niagara County. Um, but it just makes so much sense that as, you know, as people are not either driving or not able to get out, uh, let's bring the food to them. 
And, you know, they, they had interviewed a couple people for this article. And, you know, it's it's a life thread for them. And the people are eating healthier and it's not costing them more. So we, we need to have more government programs subsidizing things like the Cornell Veggie Van. Uh, talk about subsidizing. You know, Mexico has decided to exempt some food makers and retailers from quality checks um, from national from national health regulators as part of an anti-inflation plan to keep costs down. Um, this scares the hell out of me. It really does. You know, what, what we find is the government is now saying and putting the onus on whether it be retailers or food companies to do their own food safety inspections. And as we've seen that happen before, even here in the U.S., typically it fails. And, you know, it, it really makes me um, very nervous to to see, you know, foods that are you know, not being inspected properly or that the company has total control. And also a lot of people are very concerned that this deal could violate a trade deal with the U.S. and Canada and may also allow crop and animal diseases to be brought in. Um, what Mexico's president is saying is it's all about inflation. We got to keep prices down. And that's their plan. Yes, it is. It is a bold policy. And um, and while I'm all for let's keep these food costs down for consumers as much as we possibly can, we cannot do it at the um, at, by sacrificing the safety of our consumers yeah. and our farms and our food supply. So, you know, we we have learned that we need to be more we need to be more um, vigilant about protecting our food supply and protecting people from diseases coming in. And um, this seems like kind of a reckless policy. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very reckless. Um, talking about the opposite of reckless, um, Generation Z is giving up drinking. And one of the reasons that they're giving up drinking is, you know, according to this new report that came out in Media Post, people are very concerned that now with iPhones and all kinds of mobile devices that you get drunk, somebody takes, you know, a video video of you drunk, puts it up, and it's there forever. Um, and maybe you got drunk when you were 16 or 17, but now you're looking for a job when you're 30, and all of a sudden this video comes up there. Uh, but there's a lot more to it that this demographic is also more concerned about health and wellness, which is why they're, you know, giving up drinking. Um, a lot of declines. The only thing that's up are distilled beverages, but beer and wine and hard seltzers are down. But what are they doing, Sally, instead of drinking? Well, it's interesting, Phil, this this um, Gen Z, you know, and we're also talking about millennials, but we're talking about Gen Z mostly. They drink less than any generation that we've ever had. And um, and and one of the things that we're seeing is, is that they're moving they're moving towards cannabis products that are becoming legal in so many states. So they're drinking CBD drinks that don't have the carbs, the calories um, and and come from something natural. Um, so they feel better about that. They feel Feel that that's better for their health and safer for them. Um, they're drinking energy drinks. Um, 
you know, they're just, they're just a healthier, um, more mindful generation, it seems like. And um, alcohol is not their first choice. So bottom line is Cheech and Chong were right. <laughs> the CMA and SEMA hosted a webinar with Symphony AI Retail, during which they shared stats from a recent survey that involved 430 million shopper baskets from roughly 60 million global households, and they covered brand switching. No surprise, base price inflation is now the primary driver of the average item price changes versus product mix or trading up was in the first quarter of 21. Let's see to what degree we've seen this reversal. Members of the CMA can access the full replay of the webinar in the resource library. Non-members can visit catman.global to contact the association about membership and learning those topics that you need to know. The other thing we wanted to see was, hey, let's just, you know, take a step back and understand to what degree this phenomena of product mix changes and, and trading up really is happening. And when we looked back in Q1 2021, 84% of the price increases that shoppers um, were experiencing, that was due to product mix. So definitely, it's decreased over time as we you know, fast forward to where we are today. But again, what's interesting is it hasn't gone away. It's still 21% of that increase. And it really begs the question as to what's happening with that product mix change? Where are shoppers uh, switching? What are they switching from and to? And how do we understand that so we can better influence their behavior and really find new ways to win with shoppers, particularly in the inflationary environments that we're in today. On today's bullseye, it's not about marketing, but it's one of those stories that makes me shake my head. New Zealand wants to tax farmers for their cows and sheep burps and farts. Seriously, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced that her government will push ahead with a proposal to make farmers pay for their livestock's gas emissions in a bid to combat climate change. This is an important step forward in New Zealand's transition to a low emissions future and delivers on our promise to price agriculture emissions from 2025, she says. As you may know, New Zealand is a major livestock and meat exporter and has around 10 million cows and 26 million sheep. According to CNN, ag accounts for half of the country's total emissions, including 91% of its biogenic emissions of methane, a potent greenhouse gas with more than 80 times the global warming power of carbon dioxide in the short term. The prime minister says that no other country in the world has yet developed a system for pricing and reducing ag emissions, so our farmers are set to benefit from being the first movers. As with any legislation, there are concerns and opposition. New Zealand's farm groups have raised concerns about the high costs that this will impose on the industry. Andrew Morrison, chairman of farm lobby group Beef Plus Lamb New Zealand, said in an email to farmers, we will not accept a system that disproportionately puts our farmers and communities at risk. Andrea Hogard, president of the Rural Advocacy Agency Federated Farmers, said, we didn't sign up for this. 
it's gut-wrenching to think we now have this proposal from government, which rips the heart out of the work that we did, out of the families who farm this land. Our plan was to keep farmers farming. Now they'll be selling up so fast you won't even hear the dogs barking on the back of the ute as they drive off. The premise of the proposal is to incentivize farmers to reduce emissions without imposing damaging costs. In a statement, the government said that the revenue raised will be recycled back into the ag sector through new technology, research, and incentive payments to farmers. But hey, the big unanswered question for me is just how are they going to measure burps and farts? Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget, go to supermarketguru.com, sign up for our newsletter. All of our archives from the Lemper Report are right there. And we also want you to comment on all of our stories on social media or just send me an email, phil at supermarketguru.com. Thanks for joining us.